Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Today marks the beginning of an end. There are just five days left for Missouri lawmakers to pass or pass on several pieces of legislation before the close of this current session. STLPR State House reporter Sarah Kellogg is watching what's happening in Jefferson City, and she joins us live to share what she's seeing, hearing, and picking up on in the state capitol. Sarah, welcome back to the show, and thanks for taking time to talk with us. Absolutely, Lane. Good to be back here. Let's start with the budget. On Friday, the legislature met their constitutional deadline and passed a nearly $49 billion state budget. Um, Of the pieces, uh, budget pieces we've talked with you about in the past, including public library funding, a pot of money to increase teacher pay, a proposal to prohibit spending on DEI programs, Interstate 70 expansion. What is it that made it into the budget, Sarah, and what was cut from it? So a lot of what you mentioned did make it in. I think obviously the biggest amount is that $2.8 billion project uh, in transportation to go towards widening all of I-70. So that is going to take, you know, several years. It's not going to happen overnight, but that will widen I-70 to three lanes across each side. So that was kind of the biggest change from what was proposed, which was around $860 million from Governor Mike Parson way back in January. And Mm -hmm. now we're looking at that much money to expand I-70, not in just three places, but across the state. So that was the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. But other things you mentioned, uh, library funding is back in. The Senate put it back in. It was able to stay in the final budget. Uh, Another thing is $7 million that the Senate put in to basically eliminate the requirement for a match, for a local match for teacher raises, for teacher pay for a minimum of about $38,000. And then also you mentioned the DEI language. That anti-DEI language is not in the budget. The Senate managed to keep it. The Senate stripped it and it managed to stay out in the final version. So let's get a little deeper on some of those. And the DEI language is what you um, mentioned last. Why did that language provision not make it into the final version? Well, when uh, Senate Appropriations Chair Lincoln Huff mentioned it back in the Appropriations Committee after the House sent over the budget, you know, he had said he had just spoken with countless departments within the government, businesses, contractors, and it just seemed like that particular language just was so constrictive and they weren't going to be able to do business with, you know, almost anyone. I think the the common quip was that, you know, they wouldn't be able to keep the lights on at the Capitol because Amron has a diversity, equity and inclusion statement. So that was a big problem, I think, for a lot of people. And then when it made it to the Senate, it was shrunk from applying to businesses and contracts to just being intergovernmental. But that still made a lot of people just there wasn't a certainty. And that's what uh, Senator Huff said kind of frequently was he didn't like to be uncertain with this budget that he was crafting. Mm-hmm. Now, public library funding is something that we've talked about on this show. Sarah, what is it that got public library funding back into the budget? And will libraries receive the same amount they typically do? Well, it was the amount requested through the Secretary of State's office, $4.5 million, and the House stripped it, bec- and then uh, the Senate did put it back in. There wasn't a ton of discussion about it. I don't know if maybe it was just not wanting to make news about it, but it kind of was brought in, and no one really said too much other than the fact that people were happy the money was back in. I did speak to um, Majority Floor Leader John Patterson, who was a Republican, which the House 
you know, were the people who stripped it. But he said, you know, he goes to his libraries, at least summit with his kids about once a week and that he was happy to see that money back in. So it's mm. interesting kind of to see the reaction to this money now that that's, that it's back in. Okay. Now, lawmakers also passed four additional budget bills for the upcoming fiscal year. Why are these bills separate from the state operating budget? And what are they for? So these additional four bills, so the operating budget basically is this happens, this is it's for one fiscal year. So it starts in July, ends in July. The other bills are for larger projects. So a lot of them are capital improvement projects that are going to take multiple years to accomplish. And so that's why they put these in these other bills, because it's kind of a carry on from either the previous budget or it's something that they are expecting to take multiple years. I think the best example of that is actually the House initially did not have the I-70 money in the operating budget, and they had it in these four bills because because they expected it to be a huge capital improvement project to take multiple years. So mm-hmm. this is money that uh, it also includes the money from the American Rescue Plan Act that they appropriated last year. Once again, it's kind of a reappropriation of, of plans of capital projects that just aren't finished yet. Mm-hmm. Now, this budget is roughly $1 billion more, um, not chump change, uh, than Governor Mike Parson had proposed earlier in the year, you know, back in January, as you were talking about. Do you think the governor will be happy with what lawmakers have passed? I, th- I think so. I mean, I think a lot of the things that he asked for are in the budget. I mean, the big, the biggest change was that I-70 project. But mm-hmm. we, you know, reporters have already asked the governor about that. And he said, you know what, that was a starting point and anything added to it to improve our infrastructure, he was a fan of. So he likes that plan. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be sometimes he line item vetoes, which means you can only you can strike out like one budgetary kind of expenditure, you know, he'll sometimes line item veto things that he didn't propose. So there might be those here and there. But overall, I think he's going to be pretty happy with this budget. We're talking with STLPR State House reporter Sarah Kellogg as we begin this last week of the legislative session here in Missouri. Now, on Friday, the Missouri Senate voted to extend postpartum Medicaid coverage from 60 days to one year. How many people will this extension serve, Sarah? Um, if the remember, if my memory is correct, that's going to be about four thousand to forty five hundred people that are going to mm-hmm. benefit from this new extension from just six months to to a year postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, this was something that honestly, you know, there were two sponsors of of the bills on the Senate side, and one was a Republican, and one was a Democrat. This mm-hmm. was a very a lot of um, bipartisan agreement, not all, but a lot of bipartisan agreement on this issue. So, do you think that signals a willingness by both parties to work together on future efforts toward lowering what is really an abysmal maternal mortality rate in Missouri? I think that definitely is an indication. I mean, this is something that the governor brought up in his state of state speech to applause. I think there's a lot of factions that that kind of be focused on reducing that maternal mortality rate. This was something that the legislature had been trying to do for a couple of years. I know it was a bill last year. I just didn't quite make it far enough. So mm-hmm. it is interesting to kind of see this change this year and have it really get the momentum to cross the finish line. And this is just one of the bills. There's another one that's pretty close to being passed, too. We could have two versions. Mm-hmm. Now, to get to some news that was part of um, a lot of news last week. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, with the... The news of Kim Gardner's resignation as St. Louis Circuit Attorney, what happens to the crime bill that we've talked about on the show before? 
I think for me, that is the question of the week. Uh, So when uh, Gardner resigned last week, we were told from senators that the condition of that was the removal of this language that would allow for the appointment of a special prosecutor to come in and tackle cases involving violent crime. uh, I know assault, murder, cases like that. So with that gone, the question is, what is kind of the status of this omnibus crime bill that you know, Senate Democrats filibustered for more than nine hours this past week. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of dislike and disdain for this bill. And but there's also, you know, a lot of a lot of other things within this legislation. The biggest one being uh, the control under the state board control of, of the police department. That right. is still technically in the bill. Is it going to be brought up again this week? You know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but it'll be really interesting to see what this new version of this bill looks like, what is included, and if there is kind of less of a pushback against it. We'll see. And does it seem like there's a little bit less um, less sort of motivation uh, to push for state control now that Gardner's resignation has been put in? I think that's a good question. I know that with the opening statements with this bill, a lot of it was focused on Gardner. And then the next senator, which was Senator Nick Schroer, he's the one who's been a part of this police bill, and he spoke why we still need it. But I, I think the request of giving Chief Tracy a year, of saying give him a year and see if he's going to, you know, if crime improves and maybe we won't pursue it. But I think that that's a, a more amenable ask than maybe it was a couple weeks ago when it was tied in with this prosecutor language. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but to, you know, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Well, to the point, I guess, about public safety, um, there's gun legislation. So what's your best guess on whether lawmakers will approve a restriction on juveniles carrying guns without adult supervision? Uh, that's, that's not going to happen. I, you know, the, the House, at numerous points when it's ever been as public safety bill this year, they have brought up multiple amendments that would either ban people under 21 from purchasing assault weapons, uh, you know, semi-automatic weapons. They have tried to limit, you know, juveniles from carrying guns in public without adult supervision. That hasn't gone on. I can't remember the age last week, but it was it was someone, it was a ban of kids like under the age of 10. I think it was even less than that. And House Republicans didn't vote for it. I do not see any version of that that would make it to the finish line this year. Mm-hmm. Well, Missouri's proposed legislation around transgender health care and sports has made all kinds of headlines lately. Sarah, what is the status of the anti-trans proposals that have been debated throughout the session? So I think that they are exactly where they were when I last talked to you about this, which is Mm -hmm. both chambers have passed their version of the bill and then they haven't passed the other. Mm -hmm. And so now to be fair, so the House version, which is kind of considered a little more stricter, that made it over to the Senate. It has not had a hearing yeah. over on the Senate. The Senate bills, the House has heard those and they have passed them out of committee. So that one could be brought on the floor. So I think if there was any situation where a set of bills were to pass, it would be the Senate versions just because there is no time mm-hmm. for the House versions to make it through unless they're added onto a bill somewhere. But from what the Senate says, they say either the House passes this bill or it's, they're not they're not done. Like they're not going to get done. Well, and Governor Mike Parson has told lawmakers that if they're unable to pass the transports and trans health care bills by this Friday, that he's going to call a special session to work on those proposals. I mean, how much of a motivating factor is that, I mean, does it guarantee that lawmakers are going to pass these bills at some point before? That, yeah. Okay. That, I mean, that remains to be seen. I feel like the, the biggest chance is definitely that the, uh, who knows what day it might be. It might be the last day. It might be on Friday that the House picks up and passes these Senate bills. I mean, Senate leadership, a couple, you know, when they 
first passed them. They said, you know, never say never. Maybe we'll look at the House bills. And now they are adamant. They're like, nope, we are not hearing these bills. Mm-hmm. We are not hearing these House bills. Either the House is going to pass our bills or or they would go to a special session. And who knows what would happen with that. But if, if it really were up to me, I, I feel like those might be passed on Friday. In our final minute, Sarah, what else hasn't passed through the Missouri legislature yet that could be decided on this week? Um, I think one of the bigger ones is initiative petition reform, which is that process that gets uh, issues on the, con- you know, on the ballot, right? Either changing the Missouri's constitution. Um, I think the most recent one was that was legalizing recreational marijuana in the state. That was done through the initiative petition process. So the House Republicans have wanted to make it tougher. There's been different approaches to that, but it seems like they've kind of agreed on a higher voting threshold of like how many people need to vote on an issue for it to make it onto the constitution. Mm-hmm. But the House and Senate are differing on that. And right now that bill is in a conference committee, which means they could sign off on it and reach an agreement, but, you know, we'll see what happens this week. I think that's kind of the, that's the biggest, I think, priority for Republicans left that hasn't made it across the finish line. Okay. Sarah Kellogg is St. Louis Public Radio State House reporter. Sarah, thanks so much for catching us up, and I hope you get to catch your breath during what's sure to be a busy week. Waiting for Friday evening. Thanks yeah. so much. <laughs> This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.